Hello, welcome to another episode of Field of Screams. Today we are going to be covering the movie Smile. Smile was written and directed by Parker Finn. Sosie Bacon, Kevin Bacon's daughter, plays the main character Rose, and Kyle Gallner plays another main character, Joel. This movie was inspired by a short film directed by Parker Finn called Laura Hasn't Slept. The short film starred Caitlin Stacy playing Laura, and if Laura sounds familiar, that's because that's the patient in the beginning of the movie Smile. A little spoiler alert to the short film Laura Hasn't Slept, and to Smile, I guess. But in the short film Laura Hasn't Slept, she's having this reoccurring dream that this monster is trying to get to her to make it look at her, and in the end of this short film, she's talking to her therapist, and the therapist reveals itself to be that monster, which ends up attacking her. The beginning of Smile actually pulls a nice reversal of this, to whereas she is talking to the main character, Rose, and she ends up being cursed with the monster, and she reveals itself and curses Rose. So it was a nice little reversal for that. I would say this movie thrived past a lot of people's expectations. And what I mean by that is, even the president of Paramount, when this film was made, he announced that this was going to be a movie for streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Well, they played the movie for a test audience, and the reaction was so strong, they realized they had that this movie needed to have a theater release. It had to. Paramount was so impressed with the film, they decided to launch a huge marketing campaign. The movie trailer started flowing, Facebook ads started going, and I'll admit the first time I saw a trailer to this movie, my first thought was the movie Truth or Dare. Now, if you like Truth or Dare, that's fine, but I would say Tr Truth or Dare is not exactly an iconic film. So I just kind of shrugged it off. I'm like, ah, oh, it kind of looks just like a little knockoff of Truth or Dare. Here is what caught my eye, though, and what started to get interest from me. Paramount bought tickets to baseball games right behind home plate. They had actors go behind home plate, sit for the entire game, stare right at the camera, and smile. Smile really creepily. If you have ever watched a baseball game on TV or you are a fan of baseball, you would realize this is a genius move because the camera sits upon home plate the entire game. I mean, the camera's positioned behind the pitcher, it's aimed at home plate, and the people who usually sit behind home plate in the batter, they're usually in the shot for the entire game. So that's free coverage, free advertisement, right there. The actors usually had a neon or bright colored shirt to stand right out, and their job was just to sit there and smile. Fans sitting around the actor or actress smiling, they were staring at the actor, kind of wondering what was wrong with them. There was one guy, he even waved his hand in front of this lady's face, smiling, trying to break her concentration. She did not break. The stunt caught the attention of news networks and I think even ESPN, and that it provided even more coverage. After being severely impressed with this, I then wake up one morning and I flip on the TV and the Today Show happened to be on. And my wife was watching it. I wasn't really paying attention, but I look up and in the background of the Today Show is again another actor 
just standing there in a bright colored shirt in the background around other people, standing there smiling, looking right into the camera. By this point, my attitude towards this film went from meh to I was almost giddy. I was like, man, even if this movie sucks, I gotta give the marketing department credit. Whoever had this idea of advertising this movie like this, they deserve a promotion because they are outdoing themselves completely. Just when I feel this film has won me over, I decided to get on Reddit one night, and I mean, I occasionally go on to written stories, little subreddits to where people can write their own stories, and some of them are horror-themed. But I got on there, and I noticed there were a lot of stories that involved a lady smiling, or someone smiling creepily. And they were just crawling all over every subreddit they could manage to get in. Again, very impressed. By this point, I said, okay, I get it. I will watch your film. As soon as I get a chance, I will watch your film. Now, not everyone was won over right away. When the trailer was released, one critic from Bloody Disgusting described what they saw as pretty generic. Another critic said that the film looked pretty bland story-wise, and they thought they could tell where the story was going to go. What's going to make or break this film is the scares. That's the only thing that could salvage this film. I mean, I can't really criticize too much because I had similar thoughts until I saw their marketing scheme. I mean, I, I would say Truth or Dare was probably the biggest disservice to the movie Smile, just setting up poor expectations. But I think it worked out really well, because when everyone expects really low, and you make a very good film, then you'll win everyone over who goes to see this film with low expectations. But trust me, this film does not need low expectations to succeed. Deadline Hollywood predicted that Smile would earn about 16 to 24 million in the box office. Smile ended up earning 22.6 million in the first week. By the end of its run, Smile earned 217.4 million worldwide. Obviously, its marketing campaign and word of mouth led to its ginormous profits, but let's talk about the film itself. The film opens up with, again, I mentioned it a little bit in the beginning, our main character, Rose, visiting a patient who had just watched her professor kill himself right in front of her. She seems to be crazy. She says something's following her, and then soon she kills herself in front of Rose. We find out that once this event happened, since Rose watched her do this, the curse is now on her, and then throughout the rest of the movie we see her hallucinate, she sees other people smiling, and in the last moments the person is smiling that creepy smile before they kill themselves. Director Finn instructed all the actors and actresses who did this smile to do a very exaggerated smile, but then give their eyes a sort of dead look. No special effects were used with their smiles, which is a good thing. Sometimes you'll see movies kind of use CGI to kind of make the person's smile a little more haunted looking. They might darken the skin or make their eyes look crazy. But a lot of times when they use special effects for that, it... It just gives that fake look to where this is all natural. 
Rose soon hallucinates when she sees another patient. She sees him smiling, telling her that she's going to die. She tells the security to get him, and whenever they go to grab him, he's in his bed sleeping. These hallucinations not only mess with Rose, but they mess with the viewer, too. You really... it keeps you guessing. She'll see something, you wonder if it's even real. Will she wake up from a hallucination a little bit later? Is she actually in danger? We see in this film as she starts to unravel mentally that, I mean, the film's main message is a great way to kind of cover mental illness. I mean, the person smiling right before they commit their darkest act. A lot of times we associate smiling with being very happy, but a lot of people hide it with a smile. So I think that was just kind of a clever play to it. We see a lot of close members in Rose's life kind of distance themselves from her. As she starts to descend. I mean really the only person who doesn't push her away is Joel. I found it interesting after the incident with the patient. The head doctor. The guy who runs the hospital or whatever. He tells her that she needs to take some time off. Because she just witnessed some trauma. And it's like wouldn't you give that to her right after the incident. Instead of waiting for her to freak out. With the way Rose's character is designed though. I'm guessing they're just saving some time because if there was no incident and he tried having that talk, Rose probably would have pushed back and said, no, I want to work, this helps clear my mind, and he probably would have let it go, and then she would have had this incident, and then finally he would have told her to go home anyways. So, maybe that's just the movie being smart and saving us some time. Once she's home, they have a really good sequence of where she's in the kitchen, it's kind of dark. And there's this moment to where she looks in the kitchen and she just sees this lady standing there. I think it's supposed to be her mom, which we get more on that later in the movie. But the light is just so dim. And it's almost a silhouette, but you, you still see her face. And it is so creepy looking. The opening scene was very good. But I felt like at this point of the film, I was like, okay, this film means business. As these hauntings or hallucinations happen, she tells her boyfriend at the time of what's going on. She calls the cops. They can't find anything. And it kind of turns into that typical horror movie helplessness to where those around her are just kind of eyeing her like, okay, I think she's being a little crazy. Even when they try to help her, they tell her to go back to her therapist what she was seeing earlier before the film even took place. And this kind of makes you question whether she's crazy or not because she's hallucinating. So the whole film, you really have no idea which direction it's going to go. She goes to her nephew's birthday party. She puts a gift by the nephew and he starts opening all the gifts and then he gets to hers. And he pulls out her cat, which is dead, who has been missing. This leads to her seeing someone smiling at the party. She panics. She falls. She goes through a glass table. Causes a huge scene at the party. Then her sister even gives her the talk. And she even kind of tells her that you're being like mom. Which again, you get the, the reference of the mom. Something happened before. And then as the film goes, you kind of find out that when she was little, her mom was on drugs or had a mental illness. And... I think she was overdosing on the bed and she did not help her mom when she was little. This leads to her character being driven to help people. 
as a therapist. I mean, before this patient even came in that gave her the curse, she was supposed to be off the clock. She was leaving her job, and the movie does an emphasis to kind of, when she walks out of the office, it like zooms in on the phone, the phone's ringing, and then you see Rose kind of rush back in to take the call. Like, she is always wanting to do work, she's trying to help others to make up for her past sins. Since no one's going to help Rose, Rose does her own investigation, and she finds out there's a chain of these suicides in front of people. And, she, you know, she finds out she's the next in line, and eventually she realizes that there's one person that the chain stopped at. She visits her sister again to kind of tell her about what she found out. She has all these grisly photos, and if I'm the sister, I'd be a little weirded out too. I mean, she just brought a dead cat to her son's birthday party. Now she has these grisly videos or pictures trying to prove a point. She basically tells her to leave the house, leave him alone. Rose gets in her car. She sees her sister walking out. The sister stands in front of the window. But her head is like above the window so you don't see it. And then her head like goes flying down in a very unorthodox way. This scene was spoiled in the trailer. I had seen it many times before. As she walked up I was like up oh, here we go. I knew it was coming. But this is such a great scene. I wish they did not have it in the trailer. I wish I the scene would have came out in a surprise. Like, But it's still a good scene. Jewel being the good guy that he is, he agrees to help Rose, and they decide to go to the prison to which the one guy is who did not commit suicide in the chain and find out why he did not commit suicide, why did the curse not impact him. They talk to the inmate who is still alive but in the prison, and they ask him why he didn't commit suicide and he reveals the secret that the way to survive is you need to kill another person and you gotta make it really messed up looking so that the next person who walks up on the carnage they are now cursed with this again it's just another tie-in with trauma like the person's cursed with trauma except this is a curse that makes you smile and kill yourself when the guy finds out that Rose has the curse and that she's there right in front of him, this guy freaks out, screaming, get away from me, totally steals the scene. He did an awesome job at just appearing absolutely frightened. It was a great job by that actor. Rose ends up driving back to her psych ward or hospital, and she plans on carrying out a murder of one of the patients, specifically the one that she had the security guys jump for no reason at all while he was sleeping. In my head, I was like, man, Rose, give this guy a break. But before she can even go in there and even think about doing it, she hallucinates of going into the hospital. She stabs him, and then the main doctor walks into the room and tears his face off. Tears his own face off. And at that point, you realize, okay... This probably isn't really happening, and it isn't. It's an hallucination again. Now, while watching this, I couldn't help but think all these hallucinations. I mean, there's phone calls that she gets to where you're thinking she's talking to a person. 
But then it ends up being the entity and she's hallucinating it. This hospital scene. There's another scene where she's trying to hear a recording. And she turns the volume all the way up. And then the volume spikes. And it's like her mom behind her yelling like right in her ear. But the camera cuts to it really quick. So it's an awesome jump scare. I couldn't help but think, man, we could really use another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Some people don't think it should happen because Robert England's too old. And I mean, I, I love Robert England. He made Freddy Krueger iconic. But I think films like this kind of show that it doesn't have to be the punny Freddy Krueger. We can have a really scary Freddy Krueger to where the main characters hallucinate. They think they're in the real world communicating with real people and then boom, they're in the dream world. I'm getting a little off track here from Smile, but just a small side tangent. Maybe hopefully we will get a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie one day. We eventually get to the end of the film to where Rose realizes that she's not going to kill another person. Instead, she's going to go to her old childhood home, which is of course in the middle of nowhere. Looks deserted as all can be. It's broken down. Nothing's working. It's super creepy. She's going to go there and she's going to like just camp out there and she's going to face her own demons between her and her mom and she thinks that this curse might be stemming from. Of course when this scene happened and all the tension was at its highest point, my wife had put a timer on the Christmas tree that I did not know. And I'm watching this movie for the first time in my living room. All the lights off. The only thing lighting the living room is the Christmas tree. And right as the scene's happening, the Christmas tree turns off. As all the Christmas lights go off, I pause the movie and take a couple looks around the room. And then I then text my wife, who was working in overnight during this time. And she told me she put a timer on the Christmas tree, which I then felt kind of silly. Rose stays in her childhood home till it's nighttime. She then comes across her mom. They have the final confrontation. Her mom goes away, Rose then leaves, she finds Joel, and she talks to him about facing her own demons and thank you so much for helping me, blah blah blah, happily ever after. Psych, it was a hallucination again. She was still at her childhood home, she snaps out of it, and now this entity turns into this ginormous monster is now pursuing her. I thought the creature design of this monster was okay. It's kind of hard to match the expectations when you go the whole movie without seeing the monster and then they do a big reveal. It's really a risky move on the filmmaker's part, but I mean, they had to do it with this ending. The monster ends up, it does like some funky thing to where like it enters Rose's mouth or something. Joel burst into the cabin because he's been trying to track her throughout all this time. And by the time he enters the cabin, Rose is pouring gasoline on herself. She's smiling at him, the same smile we've been seeing the whole movie. And she lights the match. And then we see through Joel's pupils of her lighting herself on fire. And the movie ends there with Joel seeing her kill herself, meaning the curse is now moved on to Joel. Once this scene ends, the movie's over. And it's quite a grim note to end the movie on. 
I would say the ending fits the mood to this movie pretty well. It's honestly a pretty scary movie. And of all the recent films that have came out, I would say it's the scariest movie since Hereditary. Now, with that ending, does this mean we're going to get a sequel starring Joel? I don't know. I don't know those details. But what I do know is that Parker Finn announced that he did write a treatment for a sequel to Smile. He said it would be very different. He says that he thinks there's a lot more avenues to explore in the Smile world. And of course, Paramount greenlit it after the big financial success that Smile wants. So we are getting a sequel. Now, there's this guy I know, he kind of argued the point of, why do we need a sequel? That was a great movie on its own. We don't need another Smile movie. And I'll agree with him on that it was a great movie. It was a great story. The critic who said that this movie was going to be very predictable was wrong, in my opinion. And even though this movie can stand on its own and does not need a sequel, I will go see it if there is a sequel. My rule of thumb for scary movies, or movies in general, if I really like a movie, even if I don't think it needs a sequel, I will go see the sequel just to see if it kind of somewhat lives up to the original. A lot of times I don't, but I mean a lot of people counted this movie out right from the get-go, and it surpassed a lot of people's expectations like I said in the beginning. So why should I count out a sequel when they did so well with this movie here? This about wraps up my review for the movie Smile. Great acting, great story, great scares, great movie. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode for Smile. If you are still listening, feel free to hit the subscribe button. That always helps out. I appreciate that. And until next time.